internet, we are not going to put this cookie down. My name is Matthew Kroll. And sitting here with a glass of milk, my name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies bonus episode interview edition 9,000. 9,000? I mean, you got to crank it up. 8,999 before this? Don't worry about it. They're going to come. They're gonna. We wanted to start with the strongest <laughs> one we had, and this was it. Jingle all the way. We're back. We're jingling again. We're j- We're- now, this is not about the sequel. This is not about Jingle oh All the God, Way we 2. Sh- we should have done the sequel. No. No, this is a very exciting. We are going to have an interview with the one and only writer of Jingle All of the Way. Jingle All the Way, Randy Cornfield, who's agreed to join us even after listening to our review. Our original review, he decided he uh, he's going to come on and set the record straight. Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. We're really happy to do this. We've been doing this a little bit more recently. If you go back, you can listen to our episode where we talked to Sandy Schclair from uh, the Room. What up, Sandy? Uh, and and uh, it's something we are trying out right now. So if you are enjoying the these one on one interviews, which we'll try to do a little bit more of, please write us in and tell us if you like or dislike them. I'm sure you like them. Why would you tell us you dislike them? But <laughs> tell us, us in, how you hate it. Write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. We're excited about this. You get to talk of, with with the writer of one of your... No, is it, is it your favorite film? It's my favorite Christmas film. It's your favorite Christmas movie. It's kind of nuts. <laughs> so, so this is going to be an exciting thing. Randy is also in script development right now. So for you writers that are listening in, stick around for the re, uh, rest of this conversation. We talk a little bit about the screenwriting business, how it's changed, and... Uh, what you could possibly do if you're an aspiring screenwriter to maybe get your script in front of Randy Cornfield. Who knows? The <laughs> skies are the limit. If you can, if, if you, you can have say, a turbo man jet, if pack. you have a turbo man jet pack, the skies are the limit. Or if you can name all of Santa's eight reindeer in an Arnold voice, maybe, <laughs> maybe some dreams will come true. I'm having a great time. Um, <laughs> bye. Uh, but let's do a real quick round of, uh, of messages to us. People message us all the time on Facebook, only movie podcast at gmail.com, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. We- Sometimes iTunes reviews. Yes, and we have gotten a lot of feedback right away about the fact uh, from our three billboards outside Ibbing, Missouri review where we we painfully admitted, painfully, might I add, admitted and and ruined all our credibility that neither of us have seen in Bruges. You are all giving us so much shit. Yeah, we are getting a lot of shit about having not seen in Bruges. Uh, Steven Buja from the Oscar Watch podcast wrote us in with a one-line email saying, you fucking guys, which is something I said people would do and forgot that I said it, so he, he, he could called have you out on it. He emailed back after that. He said, uh, love the review, bought a microscope to what is a beautiful film that is also ugly. Thank you of picking of the nits, discussion of the tone difference of some parts can't agree with it all and how a bold innovative failure is better than cookie cutter success still one of my favorites for the year high on my top 10 for sure p.s C in Bruges, God damn it! Lots of people have said it. We will get to it. Maybe this will go in the pile of uh, of things we have to do. Uh, Stephen Press all on Facebook also says the same thing a couple of times now on my feed. He has mentioned that I need to see in Bruges, uh, and I will. One day, I will see it. Um, finally, we also have Will from Australia, who's written us at a few times. Uh, this is what he says. Man, how good was Frances McDormand's once she is free of the hacky shackles of the Coen brothers. Uh, t- this is <laughs> this is a hot take right here. Um, a team who have I always found to be a little on the nose and pushed me, pushed me over the edge once they publicly dismissed Noah Howley's superior Fargo TV series concept as just TV while simultaneously shoveling the, sh- the drivel of Hail Caesar down our cinematic mouths. Three billboards made me feel things to such an extent that I actually want to watch good Shahia movies from now. Um, I don't know exactly what that means, but I'm going to take it as a compliment because I am for I am want to do that from occasion. Um, I, that is a hot hot take. I agree that um, if you look at recent years, um, uh, Noah Howley's Fargo TV series is a very very exciting show. I haven't seen season three yet, but season one and two take the Fargo's Fargo mythos and expand it in a way that is surprising and delightful. Um, and yes, Hail Caesar does not quite hold a candle to yeah. that, but you have to go, in my mind, you have to go with the originators. Plus, they've still made films like Inside Lewin Davis recently, which are masterworks um, and uh, and a serious man. So, you know, look, uh, hot take, but hot uh, take. but but the Coen brothers are the are the motherfucking Coen brothers. You know, what are you going to say? So with all that said, moving right along, we're going to jump all the way from Fargo right to Jingle All The Way with special guest Randy Cornfield, who, of course, was the writer 
the sole writer, which is a rare thing, yeah. of Jingle All the Way, oh, but has yeah. also had a long and storied career. He is currently a script consultant uh, for Sony Pictures Entertainment and has worked on a number of films that you probably would have seen, including our favorite Web Slinger installments um, and other films such as Zombieland, Superbad, Talladega Nights, You Don't Miss with the Zohan, District 9, Salt, The New Karate Kid, and the 21 Jump Street series. So we are very fortunate to have Mr. Randy Cornfield with us today in the studio. Welcome to the show, Randy. Randy, what is up? Thank you for being here. How are you, sir? I am fine, thanks. Good to know you guys. I've been a fan for about two weeks now. <laughs> I love it! Since since you heard our Jingle All The Way episode, and I, and I have to admit, it was very kind of you to agree to uh, come on the show even after you heard me uh, <laughs> be on the show to, talking. I, I mean, I think I was fairly favorable on the movie. My, my, my thing is, is I... Oh, I, no, you could, have, you could have been much more mean-spirited, but yeah, you were fine. I, I, I think the no thing problem. is, for me, is I came to this movie a little bit later in life, i.e. a couple of weeks ago, and so mm-hmm. I didn't have that... I haven't had that opportunity to grow with it. Mr. Kroll on the other hand. Listen, you're both coming to this entire experience within only a week or two of time. Uh, or, or at least uh, you, Randy, you listening to us, you here watching Jingle All The Way. That's right. Uh, Randy, uh, sir, I gotta say, this is a huge uh, honor for me. This is, it's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. Uh, and I, I, That's I, wonderful, you know. I'm, I've got to tell you, I'm hearing it more and more now in time. Yeah. Um, because of your generation growing up with it, I think. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it, it just, man, and I think I, I talked about it a little in the review, and I won't go over and over into it, but there's something no, about please do. <laughs> there's something about it that just not only spoke to me back when I was younger, but but it manages to keep doing it. And that's something that I cannot say for uh, only a handful of Christmas films and, uh, I and only a handful of movies in general, in general <laughs> really. Uh, so there's definitely uh, there's 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 magic in in these uh, in these Turbo Man Hills. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's it's so great to have you on. Well, thank you. It's very, very flattering. I got to tell you. Okay. Well, so take us back uh, a little bit. We'd love to hear about uh, how you got started in the business as a screenwriter. Um, well, I originally started uh, wanting to get into production. So I was a production assistant uh, for a couple of years at uh, the old Lorimar Studios and also at uh, Amblin. Steven Spielberg's uh, working company. For, yes, I worked, for, worked there. Uh, mostly for Frank Marshall, but running around for everybody uh, through, let's see, the end of the Twilight Zone movie in, when they were in post. Wow. Through Gremlins, uh, Temple of Doom, uh, and, a, and a few others. Ooh, that's that's um, awesome. Which, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, those are different times, though, and I think we all, they certainly have matured, and I think Spielberg's matured as a filmmaker, too. But it was a lot of fun, learned a lot, and then it was time to move on. Um, and all the while, you know, I was writing scripts and trying to hone my craft, and I ended up getting lucky. I was working as a story analyst at Fox a few years later. Uh, when I wrote Jingle All the Way, so was so, but you were writing before Jingle All the Way. Um, oh yeah, but J- was Jingle All the Way the first uh, feature that of yours that got produced? Uh, no, there was a horrible little Roger Corman produced movie <laughs> uh, called Sweet Revenge. Okay, I've seen um, a lot of Roger made, Corman, but there's a lot that I haven't seen, um, and there's a lot and of there's a lot you don't there's a lot you don't need to see. <laughs> <laughs> but but you worked for for Mr. Corman for some time as well. Is that correct? No, not no, just on that one movie actually. Okay, yeah, and, um, and it was it was an associate of his who was helping him run his company, and this was his sort of maiden voyage as a producer. Um, he bought our script. I had a writing partner at the time. Ah. And, and was it a, uh, it went and, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say, was it a spec script for, for Mr. Corman or was it, uh, it, was. Was it an assignment? It was a spec script. Um, and it was obviously it was low budget. And this was sort of the tail end of when Corman's company was shooting a lot of crap in, uh, the Philippines. Right. Right. And this, this fit the mold. It was, you know, white slavery and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. So very seedy, <laughs> very exploitation. Um, let's see. Martin Landau was in it. Oh, oh there you go. Okay. Yeah. Before his career was revived. I, uh, it would. 
Yeah, he was pretty desperate at the time. <laughs> well, with, with um, there was an actress who went on to become pretty big, and of course, here goes my memory again. But she was uh, in Showgirls. Oh, uh, Elizabeth Berkley. The other one. Oh, uh, <laughs> now, oh, not Gina Gershon. <laughs> Yes. Ah, okay. I yeah. my my knowledge of showgirls is is a little embarrassing to be honest with you. But is it fading? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rightly so. Um, um, and yeah, and there were you know new scenes, the usual stuff. Um, we were supposed to uh, go on location and help with rewrites and stuff, but that never happened because you know that would have cost him money. Yeah, and, and Corman was famous for for even on his films cutting corners. Absolutely. Um, I, my, the stories I heard was the director had a nervous breakdown, ended up in the hospital. The, uh, the Philippine army was cooperating and then not cooperating. And there was all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Wow. But, yeah. I wish I could have been there to see it all. <laughs> so, the end result was enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so when, with, as far as jingle all the way is concerned, when, when, when you uh, started or got involved with it, was it a spec script or were you brought in to write it or like how, what's the, what's the origin story behind it? Okay. The story behind it was I had a son, my firstborn who was four or five ish. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Totally into power Rangers. Yep. <laughs> and we, the whole family was constantly on the hunt for, the Power Rangers paraphernalia, different color Power Rangers. It was it was nuts back then. It had nothing to do with the Cabbage Patch dolls, by the way. Right. Yes, I, was, I, I must have misheard that story. That's okay. That was the previous hot toy. Yes. You know, but uh, it was crazy. It was. Uh, I just got thought of. You know, that's how you get ideas from real life, basically, from from real experiences. Yeah. And you know, it sort of uh, came from that. Sprouted from that. Um, standing in line for hours on end for a toy and going to different places here and there to look for one all to make your kid happy <laughs> spending thousands of dollars. Yep. Yep. And ultimately seeing that toy being thrown away the next year for, you know, for something bigger and badder and newer. I'm, yeah. Well, I told him, don't throw that away. That's your college education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Save those things. I'm curious. Uh, one of the, co- uh, a, a few people reached out to us about when we, when we were going to talk to you, uh, and when we made it clear that we were talking to you, that told us that they'd read the original draft of Jingle All the Way. And, and the, the first comment they said that it was much, much darker and much funnier than what ended up on screen. I, I'm curious. Can you yeah, tell us about it, well, the, a lot of, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think that, um, <laughs> I can tell you Let's see. It was darker. It was, it was originally written. I had in mind sort of a Steve Martin type vehicle, right? Not never in a million years that I think it was Schwarzenegger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it it was darker. It it sort of a little bit more of the indictment of the Christmas mayhem that, you know, yeah, it touches on. Yeah. Um, it got lightened up when Columbus came aboard and, you know, changes were made. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like bad Santa. It wouldn't go that far. Right. Um, in fact, I originally tried to sell it to Nickelodeon when they had a, you know, production house okay. right. as a lighter, um, as a, as a children's film. Yeah, exactly. Family, family comedy. Um, I had one producer who I pitched it to, who seemed uh, more interested in doing a movie about Hanukkah. Right. <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> so I knew I was in the wrong place there. <laughs> um, anyway, I ended up uh, putting a pseudonym on it. Okay. I found a producer who was interested, a uh, young producer who was just starting out at the time. Um, he was going to take it out. And I put a pseudonym on it because there are too many people that knew me as a story analyst okay. around town. Um, and I felt that would work against me. So, um, the name was Ed McQueen. <laughs> Good nice. Yeah. And, uh, it went around and I had to sit in my office basically doing my day to day work, knowing the script was coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, not just at Fox, but every studio in town. Um, they, they generated quite a bit of heat. Um, and, they ended, I think it ended up with Columbus loving it, 
And I think it was a good choice because that's the kind of stuff he does. Yeah. We're speaking of, uh, of course, of Chris Columbus, who directed Home Alone and went on to direct that's the right. first uh, installments of Harry Potter. Um, could you tell us a little bit? I mean, I mean, you are, you know, working alone, writing the screenplay and all of a sudden it lands on Chris Columbus's disc and it's going to become a possibility. And, and at this point, uh, I refresh my memory. I can't I, I can't recall if Home Alone had been made at this point already. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so, it uh-huh. so it's it's attached to uh, arguably the person who has made the most successful Christmas movie of all time, um, and and now the film is becoming a reality. What what happens at this point? A to your original screenplay and to your involvement in the film. Um, well, again, they didn't know it was me until the deal closed. Okay. Um, because you know. <laughs> It just didn't make it. If they knew who I was, they would have screwed me on the money. Uh, yeah, absolutely. no, I can totally see that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, I think that made a difference. Um, after that, it actually got stalled for a little while in development because the head of the studio at the time was crazy about it. Um, he's actually the same guy that passed on speed initially. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> no names. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, which was a project I actually pushed through when I first started uh, as an analyst. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, um, a change of regime and then another push from Columbus made the difference. Um, so it started to heat up again. And in the meantime, my understanding is that an assistant at, I don't know, with CAA or one of the agencies where mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger was at the time, um, knew that he was looking for a comedy. Mm. Um, nothing to do with uh, what, what was it you guys said that he Planet had? The Apes. I think we talked yeah, about that. Uh, noth- yeah, absolutely nothing to do with that. Ah, okay. we got it wrong. Okay. So that's one wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure there are many. <laughs> yeah, we'll go down the list. Please, please uh, correct us on everything. No problem. Um, anyway, she was smart enough to somehow get it up to them, his representatives, and it snowballed from there, and then he committed, and then it really blasted off. So his attachment um, really pushed it through, even when it was sold and uh, and It made a huge difference, even though it was never intended to be a big, expensive comedy. Right. Um, it was always meant to be a modest, costing, uh, you know, family comedy. Yeah. Like right. I said, like a Steve Martin type of thing. Mm-hmm. So once Schwarzenegger came on board, you know, some changes had to be made, obviously, and, and then the budget started inflating, and... I think beyond what it should have been. Right. Um, and then the development process where, where things were changed. I'll, I'll tell you one of the, the biggest change. Yes, please. Was probably in the third act. Um, in the original script, the, the parade itself was just a stopover sort of in the middle of the movie. Okay. Okay. Um, in his desperation, uh, the father ends up, he discovers that the Turbo Man toy factor is just outside of town. Ah. Oh, man. <laughs> so he beelines to, to the factory to see if he can break in and steal, <laughs> you know, whatever leftovers are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got, you know, I'm not saying this was a better ending, but it got pretty crazy <laughs> because I, I have him end up, uh, they actually have a full size robotic turbo man that's sort of standing guard <laughs> in the factory <laughs> and he ends up having to, to do battle with that with a giant robot, robot. <laughs> which yes. in retrospect would have been perfect for schwarzenegger at the time uh, yeah that's what i was just gonna say yeah it, it, um but that got nixed Nah. I, I'm 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 curious then because the the third act of this film has this kind of nice mirrored effect of repeating the opening of the film where we see the sort of uh, a, 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 the television show Turbo Man we see at the beginning and then the third mm-hmm. act kind of echoes that by by now placing our everyman Howard Langston in the role of Turbo Man and and, and of course Sinbad as his nemesis so there's kind of this right. sort of nice mirroring that happens in the screenplay when your version was that sort of uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, film within film structure still there. If he was going to go to do battle in the, uh, in the turbo man factory. It was not in the original spec, but it came out when it was basically the instruction I got. Right. And they clearly didn't give me much choice, um, was to jettison the factory sequence mm-hmm. and build up the parade sequence. Right. 
And in in doing that, you had to sort of have something happen. Right. Yeah. So that's when, you know, we came up with that. So is that also sort of when uh, um, Sinbad's character was going to take on sort of the, the mantle of Dementor, Dementor, I believe it is? Is right. It, yeah. Right. Well, gotcha. once once you've got once you've got Arnold in in the costume, you got to have his nemesis. Yeah. In absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, remember exactly. that, I just, that was the lot. I remember again the first time I saw it, and um, and and even really to be honest, subsequent times, uh, the parade scene because I I always like I was never a huge fan of like actual parades, but the thing I'd always watch when I was a kid because I was super into like He Man, Master of the Universe sort of stuff, and I'd watch uh, that, and they'd have sort of battle sequences with these actors being the characters, etc. So then when mm-hmm. this this Arnold uh, Christmas movie uh, came through and like ratcheted that up to like nine thousand for little me, I was I was <laughs> super psyched. Um, the, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it did. Um, so yeah, you, you have to understand that. You know, I'm proud of the film and the fact that it's it's become this you know mini cult favorite. Yeah, with cer- certain generations, I guess. Um, but you know, honestly, and I can be honest, I, I, you know, it's not a classic by any means. And that's it's a fun movie, and you know, I'm, I'm as I said, I'm proud of it. Um, a lot of it turned out okay. A lot of it, I'm you know, I'm not real happy with, but um, well, well, it worked us, out fine. I really shouldn't complain. So, well, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I'm I, you know, I'm always curious about uh, filmmakers and their relationship to the work that they've made. Yeah, and and you know, as as you can garner on this podcast. Uh, uh, you know, we're excited about this film, uh, and 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 we're excited about it because it, it speaks so much to the the experience of being a kid and 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 our youth growing up. So the film has certainly taken on this this sort of different shape and form as it's as it's matured, I guess. And I'm curious what you think could either be, you know, like what what you think about the film now compared to what you thought about it when it came out 21 years ago, 22 years ago now. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it's a reminder of how old we are yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, how do I felt about it? Well, you know, there was a certain uh, amazing excitement, you know, surrounding the event and, mm-hmm. you know, the making of it and all that stuff. Uh, got to fly to the premiere uh, at uh, the Mall of Americas and, you know, hang with the stars and mm-hmm. do all that kind of stuff. And that was a blast. Um so, you know, you don't even really think about it, actually, at that point. And as a writer, especially a new writer, quote unquote, you know, they don't they don't involve you a lot. Yeah, you know, I was never part of the post-production process or which was apparently had some issues. Um, and uh, I was just swept up in just the excitement of having it all happen after a number of years of you know struggling. Were you on set for for production? I, I was visiting a few times here and there. Uh, the The parade set was shot at Universal on their big street set where they did uh, um, Back to the Future and Gremlins and things like that. Okay. Um, and it was packed with uh, – they, they had issues trying to get licensed actual cartoon characters – Right, of course. Uh, to fill the parade out. Yep. Yeah. So if you if you look, there's sort of an odd <laughs> collection of yeah. weird cartoon characters. Yeah. Right? Like, they they couldn't get they couldn't get the truly big ones. Right. You know? No Snoopy or anything um, like that. There was a you know, Hello like Kitty. The Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't get the Warner Brothers characters or people like that. Yeah. Um, or any you know or DC or Marvel or anything yeah. like that. So they got the third rate. Guys, <laughs> um, you know, like the the, the battling robots from the toy, the and, rock'em sock'em uh, robots, yeah, rock'em sock'em robots, yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, there was there were some scenes of huge crowd scenes. In fact, my uh, dad worked as an extra for a few days. Oh, that must have been nice. In the crowd, well. which was kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, that must have been lovely. And then when they were at Fox doing some of the interiors. Uh, you know, I hung out for a while. Uh, I happened, I actually already knew Schwarzenegger. Right. Uh, our kids went to school together. Oh, wow. There you go. So it was purely coincidence. Um, <laughs> so he was very friendly, uh, on the set. Um, he is interesting to watch because, you know, <laughs> he doesn't stretch a lot. Right. As an know, actor. Acting, acting yeah. wise. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, he basically sits in his chair. He's got a huge cigar, cigar paraphernalia, yeah. <laughs> an ashtray, and all this kind of stuff attached to the chair. And he always had a cigar going. And uh, they would call him up. He'd do his line, you know, like you see it. Yeah. Uh, they'd yell cut, and his, then he would always say, very nice, <laughs> at the end of the take. And that was it. <laughs> Hardly any more than one or two takes at a, at a time. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, he's very friendly. Uh, he always was. And I used to run into him after that. And he kept saying, we have to make a sequel. It's my biggest movie in Japan. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which, yeah, that surprised me. Yeah. Well, and then, and then the, uh, sadly, the, 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 the sequel that I guess came out is nothing like. It, it had, yeah. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, it's horrible. Yeah. I did, I did lobby for a while to, to, and, you know, I had some pitches for a sequel. Yep. And by the time they thought about doing a, you know, direct to video kind of thing, um, it was a different division at the studio. Uh, they didn't want me involved, probably because it would have cost them more money. Right. Um, so they got some awful guys and they did an awful job yeah. and basically they killed what could have been kind of a fun franchise. You know? Right. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, you wrote, you, you say you wrote this, you know, kind of thinking about your son and, you know, you were a new dad at the time and Howard Langston is kind of this, uh, American, you know, uh, white collar middle-class kind of guy. And all of a sudden you're sitting, uh, at the Fox studio watching an Austrian bodybuilder, Mr. Universe <laughs> say your lines. Uh, and I'm yeah. wondering, is there any moment of like, uh, the, the sort of surreal moment where is that me or, or <laughs> Or what have I become um, when you're watching? I mean, and it, and it leads, I think, to an interesting question that we have uh, about Jingle All the Way and, and just about writing for Schwarzenegger, I guess. Or, uh, you know, like, how do you address the elephant in the room, which are his, which are his biceps and, and chest? Right, right. Well, you know, the one line that uh, the neighbor has, uh, I forget his name. Phil Hartman's. Yeah, yeah. I, Phil Hartman. Yeah. He did improvise that one line. Like, you, you can't. Bench press your way out of this. Bench press your way out. Yeah. That was improvised. And it's a brilliant line. Yeah. Um, but other than that, we didn't really do much. And even though I said, can we at least change his name to reflect some kind of European history background, you yeah. know, to, because he has an accent I mean, you can't ignore it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's what they chose to do. But it's interesting that, 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 you know, like I think we, we sort of went through the catalog of Schwarzenegger films. And I think this might be one of the cases where this might be one of the very few cases where that is ignored. Um, and it's a very, it makes for a mm -hmm. really unique experience because uh, this film sort of touches on a kind of a classic American, uh, it's a classic American story about consumerism, about the Christmas experience um, in, right. in, you know, and in, what it's become and what it's become. And yet at the uh -huh. center of it, you have this sort of hulking European figure. Um, <laughs> right. uh, and, and you may have been, you know, I, I, I you know, again, we're going to look back at this catalog, but it may be the first time that, that, that this is never really acknowledged that, that Schwarzenegger is just an American guy. Was that kind of, you know, like when he, when you say he was looking, Looking for a comedy was that kind of part of the thinking to to homogenize, I guess you know Schwarzenegger's foreignness. You know, I, I really couldn't speak to that. I have no idea what the thinking was uh, or wasn't at the time. Um, he'd already done Twins, and yep. I, I don't remember that movie well enough to know if they did address it in that. It is kind of addressed in twins because he is a, uh, he's a, uh, he, and again, we're, we're expressing our uh, Arnold fandom here, but he, in that film, he is made up of the children. He's a genetically enhanced human being. <laughs> and that's why he has the accent. Well, I'm not sure that's why, he's, that he, but, he's, but he's born off. He, he isn't born in America in that film. Oh, I see. Um, okay. Well, I, 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 I would like to, uh, I would like to start now, Randy, picking your brain as to all of the other things that we got wrong or that you even disagreed with, or even hell, I'll take, even if there's something that you liked that we said, but I'd rather know what we, how, how we were bad. What, what did we get wrong in our initial sort of uh, discussion of jingle all the way? Um, it's I, really, it's not that bad. I, I, there were a couple of things I've already mentioned. And of course, everything, everything Matt said is brilliant. And right <laughs> of <on>. course. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time anyone's ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's gotta be exception to everyone. Yeah, of course. Of course. I think, well, I don't know if you know that I can remember some odds and ends here. Um, sure. 
originally Belushi was lobbying for Myron's role. Oh, oh wow. And he would have made an excellent and, foil. <laughs> yeah, but uh, and at the time, his career was a little, you know, right on the skids, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's why he was a little bit desperate. But they ended up giving him the other role, which, you know, he was really good at. Yeah. He did a good job. It is unusual, though, because um, Jim Belushi is a name, uh, and he's kind of, he's, he's, he's almost unrecognizable in the film. Yeah, somewhat. <laughs> Although he's even more unrecognizable now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know, but J the name, Jamie is the name of my son. Ah, so okay. Jack, so Jamie so is Jamie. one of the deals I made with him, that they can't change his name, because it was sort of a... <laughs> Uh -huh. A little salute to my son. So that's great. It's sweet. Although today he doesn't tell anybody. Oh yeah, I was going to say, what does your son think of the movie? <laughs> you know, he never told me over <laughs> the years. <laughs> you got to find that out. That, I know that he's a little embarrassed, so he doesn't tell people that he's oh. the, the kid in the movie. So. Well, he but shouldn't. Okay. He shouldn't be embarrassed it. at all. That would be. That's that's the the best badge of honor I think of any. That's the the greatest Christmas gift of all. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't think that he, he's, he's, he's on the modest side. Ah, so. All right. Uh, well, that's okay. <laughs> um, during, let's see, during post-production, I think it was about that time, just mm -hmm. here's a little tidbit, Chris Columbus's mother had passed away. Ah, hmm. So he kind of backed off for a while and uh, wasn't as involved. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, you know, might have hurt a little bit because you need to think what you will of, of Columbus. There's certain things that he does well. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of in his oeuvre. Yeah. Um, the director, uh, Brian Levant. had more of a say and there were things like the exploding bomb and stuff like that. Very cartoonish stuff that I think he slipped in. Right. Um, and there were other things like when Myron is when they're in the cafe and Myron's reminiscing about his Johnny Seven OMA yeah. mm -hmm. that he got as a kid. That was a little longer of a speech, which actually went into more detail about what the gun did and how cool it was. Mm -hmm, gotcha. Um, and there were you know little little things here and there. Um, and it was trimmed down to a pretty lean. What is it? Eighty something minutes. Eighty nine. Yeah, Eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Columbus did come back and they did some re-editing and things like, you know, again, I wasn't there on a day-to-day right. -day basis. So I don't know exactly, but it turned out okay. Like I said, I can't complain. <laughs> Obviously. And, 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 uh, you know, as we've said, the, the movie has blossomed, I think over the years to be in the pantheon of the, of the, uh, seminal Christmas films for a lot of people, you know, like we talked a lot about National Lampoon's mm -hmm. Christmas Vacation. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I think I read this somewhere, and you might correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I, I read somewhere that you're a big Frank Capra fan, and I believe you'd be a, if that was the case, you'd be a, a big fan of It's a Wonderful Life. Am I wrong in that, or? Uh, I don't know where you read that. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I am a fan, but oh. <laughs> I'm curious to know where you read it. I, 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 uh, I, I was Googling wildly, I must add, but. Uh. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I like Capra, but I, you know, there's a lot of filmmakers that I like back then. Um, I'm a big fan of old movies, old right. comedies, all mm. sorts of stuff. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say that TCM is one of my favorite channels. Of course. Um, well, and with that in mind, but I like all kinds of, yeah, all kinds of stuff. With that in mind, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking what your, your, you know, just kind of your overall hopes for what the film would be. Um, when either when you wrote it or, or what, you know, what you, when you finally saw it up on the big screen, you know, what kind what were you kind of, uh, hoping, uh, to, you know, that people would feel when they saw this film? We, we talked a little bit about this in terms of like the Christmas spirit of movies. Ah, uh, yes. Um, well, you know, I, I didn't want it to be, again, this, this, this came before bad Santa, which is like the ultimate negative <laughs> 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 Christmas movies. But, um, no, I wanted to be on the sweet side, but I wanted to also have an edge and, and I wanted people to laugh essentially. Right. Um, and you know, eking out a little tear at the end wouldn't be too bad either. Although <laughs> I think that could have, they could have done a better job there. <laughs> um, but, uh, I got, you know, uh, honestly, I didn't have high expectations. <laughs> so it, it, you know, it turned out pretty well. Uh, like I said, the only thing that I 
think the mistake came in business wise was spending too much money on it. Right. But that is the, uh-huh. that is the, the sort of the Arnold Schwarzenegger equation, isn't it? Like, uh, like yes. it, having someone like him increases is, is expensive, but it is a, a much bigger draw card for the, for the box office. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I wasn't going to look the gift horse in the mouth, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, um, of course. I mean, it could have been worse. They could have gotten Chevy Chase and it really would have. Yeah. Tanked. It would have been a, you know, <laughs> he did all right in hot tub time machine though. Um, <laughs> I, so you have continued to work, uh, both as a screenwriter and in script development, uh, it's still to this mm-hmm. day. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, uh, how much of your time is divided in both camps now? Like, uh, are you still writing as much as you used to, or are you kind of solely devoted to, to developing other people's work? Um, well, you know, I wouldn't call it developing other people's work, but, uh, I, work full time for Sony mm-hmm. pictures as uh, an in-house story analyst and have for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's full time. Yeah. Uh, even beyond that, sometimes, sometimes yeah. we get rushes. We have to work on the weekends, believe it or not. You know, it's not, you're not carrying cancer, but for some reason it's got to be done tomorrow. I completely, I, I understand that, that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the meantime, I haven't stopped writing. I've optioned a few things here and there. Um, eight legged freaks followed that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I did some unproduced stuff for Disney. Um, and I've got, you know, like everyone else, a trunk load of unsold specs. Gotcha. Right. Um, and still hope to, you know, grab the brass ring again, at least once more. We'll see. So, but uh, the market is completely different now. The spec market is really flat. Um, everything is dependent on, um, source material, books, you know, right. and tentpole movies. Uh, so it's tough. Yeah. We were just discussing on, a, on another episode, uh, record we did. Shahir had brought up a thing, I guess the top 24 of the highest grossing, was it the 25 uh, films yeah. was all either based on a book or, or a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, in, even in, even in the sort of the changing time of, um, of how these things are, you know, brought out into the world for, for, Again, as she here stated before, we have a lot of uh, film students and and film writers that listen to the show. Uh, if you, I mean, if you could think of sort of what you would say, either one or a few of the most sort of important aspects to writing a um, a not only successful but just a a, a well rounded, effective screenplay, what would you say those would be? Wow, I mean, people teach courses and write books about that. Uh, but if you could say it in a in sentence, a <laughs> I do have a little uh, pamphlet that I I send to. Uh, I also do some consultations, and people actually around the world I've gotten in touch with who I sort of give back and, and do notes for on their scripts and oh, help wow. them become better writers. And I have a little pamphlet which I've never produced of the do's and don'ts of screenwriting. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, among them are little things that basically as a story analyst, and there are at least eight to 20 at each studio, they're manning the front line. Right. They are the ones who are going to see the script first um, when it's submitted for consideration. So the idea is you want to get it past them or you're, you're dead in the water. Okay. I see. Um, and there are certain things that you can do. I mean, obviously you need to have a, a good idea or at least since there's nothing really original, a good fresh spin on an idea, right? A new approach or a fresh approach. And then everything about it needs to remain fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, avoiding cliches whenever you can, um, good naturalistic dialogue and the less of it, the better, depending on the genre, of course. Sure. Um, and keep it keep it lean. Uh, it's a script, which is basically a blueprint. Mm-hmm. It's not a novel. Um, and we have to wade through these things as quickly as possible. And the harder you make it for us, 
the less we're likely to pass it along with the recommendation. No, that makes that makes total sense. So, uh, and I'm I'm curious then, and in recent years, what what uh, in, just from a uh, it's obviously hard to divorce writing from uh, from a finished film, um, but I'm curious what you've kind of gotten excited about about. Uh, and I know as a story analyst, you have to read a lot of material, and you, and, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. you have to read a lot of bad material. But what, that's right. What what have you seen? Um, I guess probably the safest thing as finished products that has gotten you excited about writers or as you know, that's done something unique and truly challenging that's made you excited. Well, I can give you maybe a few titles that I worked on, uh, and recommended that came through. If okay. that's what you maybe. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have to be something you worked on either. Either just something you watched that you but loved. Again. Yeah. Well, let's start there. Uh, I think, I mean, there, well, there are a couple that I can't talk about because they're not out yet. Okay. Okay. Fair. It's very rewarding when you, you get something that is submitted in a very ordinary way, um, you know, in the pile of stuff that we get Mm -hmm. and it's, it stands head and shoulders above your, you know, the daily crap that you have to wade through. Mm -hmm. Um, and very rewarding when you flag it, bring it to their attention and they end up buying it and making it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's happened. Um, years ago, like I said, it's speed was probably the first one that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, don't breathe was one of them. Ah, yes. Oh. We've been, uh, we've been eager to do that on the show recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that script came through. It was tight as hell. It was really well written they knew exactly what they were doing. Um, it was different. I mean, it's still teenagers being stalked by a killer, but the difference is the killer is blind mm-hmm. Yeah. instead of the victim being blind, mm-hmm. which, you know, turns the tables. It's, it's things like that in the environment, the, the method of, you know, the ways to dispatching people, things like that, that all has to was sort of freshened. And it, it, it was incredibly well paced and it read like crazy. So, yeah. and it turned out really well. They executed it really well. Yeah. I mean, that seems to follow your rule of take something that's sort of, if it's, if it's not completely original, maybe it even helps that it's a genre sort of thing that like people are familiar enough with and giving it that fresh spin throughout the entire exactly. piece. Exactly. Cause there's nothing worse than getting something by page 10. We know exactly pretty much where it's going mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and whether it's going to be successful in getting there. Um, so within the first 10 pages, you really got to sort of light things up in some way so that we're not sure where it's going to go. And then it, where it goes ends up being pleasantly surprising. Yeah. And you know, it's not easy to do. So that's why we don't see that much of it. But <laughs> Have you, and I know, you know, uh, you know, the difference I've seen over the years is that the writing has gotten better, generally speaking, because I think a lot of struggling screenwriters are training themselves. They're taking courses or reading books or reading scripts, which is the best education. Um, and they're learning how to, to, to pull it off and, you know, do it properly. But what is mostly missing is that spark of uh, imagination and invention and freshness. And that's hard to teach. Yeah. It's basically the X factor in, in, in a writer, right? You know, like it, you can you can teach them all right. the structure. You can show them the best screenplays, but but you can't make yeah. them a great writer. Exactly. I'm curious, you know, like we uh, on this show, we have an interesting dichotomy between what we think is genre films and sometimes occasionally what we'll call formula films versus films that defy the formula. For example, we just reviewed uh, Call Me By Your Name, a script, a screenplay by James Ivory, uh, mm-hmm. which is almost the antithesis of, of traditional structure in that it feels, you know, like almost, it feels like it almost has no dynamic tension in it. Uh, yet it still is a, you know, quite an incredible film to watch and, and read. I'm cu- I'm curious kind of the, okay, I, I think, can I interrupt? Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't seen the film, so I can't really speak to it. Um, but I've heard the opposite by a number of people I trust okay. who have pretty good taste. 
Um, so there is a dividing line on that film. Right. Yeah. We had, a, we had a bit of a, we, we both we, sort of liked it, but for we, the, 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 the problems what we had with it without getting into it were sort of, uh, different yeah. <laughs> as, as you'd imagine. Right. I, I guess but more, it, more to the point, it, you know, there are rules, but those rules are made to be broken also. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, you know, um, what we're sort of, what I'm curious about is, is the, the sort of, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been a reader for, for a few smaller independent studios and it's, and then there's that anxiety, um, I have when I'm reading someone else's work, which is that I sometimes go, well, I can't see this, but maybe this person can, and, and maybe I'm not seeing something that's there. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, do you have well, a, this person being who, uh, whoever submitted their script, uh, you know, like I'm reading somebody oh, the else's work, okay. the writer. Okay. And I'm, and I'm like, well, this doesn't follow any rules and I'm not that interested in it, but maybe I'm missing something. Uh, was there a question? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and, I was going to say, what's my, the question? And my, I, guess I think, my, my I think qu- what I would say to that is that, you know, it's not your do- job to sort of second guess what the writer had in mind. Right. Um, if it's not on paper, it's not there. Right. And so he did, he or she did not succeed. Right. If it's not, um, if it's not passing you when you're, when you're reading it, that's literally the, the, whatever, if the intention is not getting across to you that, that they originally wanted, then the writer has not done a successful job. Exactly. Right. And, I, and I do get that, you know, when I give notes to, to, to writers, um, they'll oftentimes say, well, this is what I meant. And I said, well, whatever you meant, it's not there. Right. In my observation. And, you know, and you understand when you're a reader, I mean, you're not right all the time. You're just, you know, we're pretty well trained and experienced and we know what to look for. Yeah. And, you know, what's missing and all that sort of stuff. Um, So, but, you know, we have been known to be wrong. I mean, you know, I have a friend who, shall be nameless who passed on Jurassic park. Right. Well, wow. Um, yeah. But at the time, you know, it was a book in galleys and the book's very different from the movie. Yeah. yeah I've mm-hmm. read the book. Um, and you know, you sort of had to stretch to see the movie in yeah. some ways, or at least he did apparently. <laughs> but, uh, so it's not, you know, and years ago they passed on star Wars, they pass on stuff all the time, which yeah. is why scripts and projects move around from studio to studio. Mm. And sometimes they have a long history before they actually get made. Um, it has to be somebody who sees it, gets it, and becomes passionate about it and, and pushes and pushes, especially in the indie world. Right. I guess my, my um, follow-up to that is what is the marketplace, you know, basically what are, th- what are the kinds of films people, studios in particular, are looking for? Well, right now it's like I said, it's all about books, pre-sold stories, you know, from those books, um, franchises and tent poles. And again, it's, you know, DC and Marvel and, and star Wars. I mean, it's, they dominate. Um, and unfortunately the, there isn't enough room or money to make, you know, medium sized things that they used to have. Um, they're still low budget comedies are still getting made. Um, Sony has a screen gems division mm-hmm. that does smaller comedies, urban movies, uh, little action movies, horror movies, things like that. Um, and they're very successful. Um, I'd like to see more of those. Yeah. Um, but the concentration is on franchises. Yeah, no, I can, um, I can see that. And then, and then also uh, Logan Lucky was sort of uh, an attempt at least to try to go back to that mid, that mid tier or mid uh, budget sort of film. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I don't know if the, if the experiment, I mean, time will tell, I guess if the experiment was a success or not, or whether or not it was just an experiment or whether or not they just wanted to make it. Um, but yeah, I too, I too would like to see that. I mean, again, um, I don't know how much you gleaned from the jingle all the way uh, review uh, that we did, but I'm, I'm a huge proprietor of uh, various uh, of these franchises, Marvel in particular. Um, but it, and she has pointed out many, many a time that uh, he, he worries that the, the sheer budget and, and, and footprint of these monsters uh, kind of uh, can choke out uh, new things. 
And well, that's absolutely true. Cause there's only so much money, yeah. uh, you know, in the studio's annual budget. Um, and if there's, it's kind of funny because it, it, it's contrary to common sense because they'll sink 200 million into something that's obviously, you know, not obviously, but oftentimes a huge risk. Yeah. Um, as opposed to 30 million in something, well, what's the downside? Right. You it's know, kind of not strange. much. I mean, by the time we sell it, you know, to Europe and Asia and ancillaries, you know, we can't really lose. Yeah. But those are the ones they hesitate to pull the trigger on. Yeah. No, it's very strange. Um, and they're also usually the ones that are unique that have something different to say or do, you know, as opposed to, and I don't, I'm not talking down to Marvel, but how many times can you blow up the same building and, you know, threaten the earth and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's honestly, again, as even as a huge fan of the series, that's why um, I was, I was personally a fan of the one they did civil war, which is basically when uh, it was interpersonal relationships sort of at play, as opposed to the city blowing up again. And now yeah. it, even though I like, I like it, I'm going to continue to watch it like infinity war. They're, they're big, big one coming up next. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how I'll feel about the stakes because the stakes for me, uh, were already the highest that I care about in a weird way. So I, I hope it, I hope it continues to grab me, but it's an interesting problem that they're, that they're sort of digging themselves into. Well, you'd think so, um, but they're plowing full steam ahead. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, we've got the Spider-Man franchise going as well yep. as, as, as other offshoots. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I've gotten to, to me, it's like, well, there's gotta be sort of, uh, I don't know, over what's the word? Uh, anyway, oversaturation. <laughs> Oversaturation, thank you. With the audience at some point, and a couple of them didn't do as well over the summer, I think. Um, But I, too, prefer something that at least tries something different. And I thought Logan was a good example of that. Yeah, 100%. Um, That that was one of my favorite movies this year. Because it it was a different approach. It was personal. It was character-driven. It was small. I thought it was one of his his best performances, actually. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I guess um, we'll see if we go in that direction, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell. Uh, right. The, uh, something I just want to ask you sort of a little bit, uh, off the cuff is, uh, you know, you've done, I mean, we've talked about obviously jingle all the way and, uh, the other work that you, that you do. Is there, is there a project that, and, and you don't have to go into specifics, but, uh, that you've sort of always wanted to like, to, to do or that you've done and you're waiting for the right time or like is do you still have that you mentioned the even in your own words sort of going for the 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 ring again uh one more time uh not necessarily what is that project but like i don't know like what is there is there a way you could if that exists sort of uh describe uh what aspects of that would excite you and and is there is there that like that passion thing that you're really just like man i have to do this um, yeah, there's probably, you're talking about ones that I've written. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple, uh, you know, I don't mind, uh, this is free advertising. I don't mind describing them. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, there was a couple of things that I wrote because I just loved the idea and the story, um, and didn't think too much about the marketability of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because that just slows you up. Uh, mm-hmm. you can't really try and second guess and think, audience buyers and all that. It just, it just uh, messes you up. Um, one that I'm still passionate about is a period piece that was set in the thirties. that had to do with the Lindbergh kidnapping case. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, It was a slightly fictionalized account, although it's a lot of in the, in the script is is true and based on research Mm -hmm. about the case. Um, the truth, the, the way I got the idea was somebody had given me an article, uh, an old newspaper article that talked about how Al Capone was, who was sitting in a jail cell, tried to offer his and his organization's help to Lindbergh right. in getting the baby back. <laughs> so the idea sprung from that, and I tried to, to write it in sort of a graphic novel style. Yep. Um, where Capone sends one of his uh, thugs to Lindbergh and they end up working together to try and solve the case and get the kid back. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and it's really, yeah, no, I think it really turned out well. Um, but you know, it's a tough sell. Yeah. Um, 
but someday I hope that I hope it gets made. That's one that I really hope it gets made. It's funny. Um, it, that more, doesn't sound oh, like a tough sell at all. It sounds like a great idea. Well, but you see, then you've got somebody like Ben Affleck who comes along and makes 20s gangsters movies and yeah. ruins them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so right away, the studio's like, well, if Ben Affleck can't make it work, why would we, you know, take yeah. this on? Yeah. So well, that's what I mean. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, they don't make them that often. But it's a, I still think it's a good idea. And, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, modestly aside, it's well executed. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that sounds that sounds again. It it feels like it's still following down even just sort of those little guidelines that you you led beforehand. It's a it's a it's a similar premise, but with a, a cool twist that that uh, that no one has done before, and that makes it. I mean, you could, man, I mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see that, man. Well, that, <laughs> that, yeah, see, that's the other thing. The other one that I every time I tell people about, it's more recent work, um, is about. Uh, six blind teenagers who survive a plane crash in the mountains and have to figure out how to get off the mountain on their own. Wow. Whew. So it's a live meets don't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Not don't breathe more like <laughs> both in our stars and meets alive. Yeah. Right? Oh, there you like go. That. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Which is also, you know, another good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that's, they haven't been able to sell that yet. So we'll see. Okay. Well, hey, anyway, we've we've absolutely thrilled to have you on the show, um, uh, and we're thrilled that you heard our review and were willing to come on board and 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 listen to us gasp oh, yeah. often incorrectly, um, but also school us on on some of the uh, the inner workings of uh, not only how a film like Jingle All the Way gets made, which is obviously a very prolific, well seen, obviously um, uh, highly resonant film, uh, but also you know like how potentially the, the mid tier budget, um, studio film could, you know, it needs to come back in some respect and, 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 and what you think about it. So, uh, Mr. Cornfield, we appreciate your time, uh, greatly and, uh, absolutely. And, it's been a real pleasure. A lot of fun. Yeah. And we, I, and I believe our listeners will, uh, will, uh, take a lot out of this. Now, uh, I know, uh, you are a, a working writer, but if people, I, and I, and I know obviously we don't want to like give out your phone number or anything like that on the air, but, <laughs> but, but, but your work in, uh, is there any way people can just sort of see your work in one consolidated place? Do you have a website or a Twitter handle or anything that kind of people can point to? You know to? what? No, I don't Twitter. <laughs> um, they can try to friend me on Facebook and then I can screen them that way. <laughs> there you go. Like I said, I'm, I'm more than happy and I do a lot of helping these guys try and, you know, hone their craft. I'm happy to do that. And I really feel as corny as it sounds giving back a little bit and I, and I enjoy it. Well, perhaps it's pretty the, rewarding. The, perhaps the, I've got the, a guy, I've got a, I've got a guy who uh, recently won or came close to winning at the, I forget Texas. What's the one in Texas? Uh, South by Southwest. Mm. Yeah. I think he did well in there anyway. Um, and you know, like I said, there's a few friends in uh, New Zealand. Yes. Yes. We have a um, Ellery being one of them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I obviously, um, for those who don't know, the Ellery Ickleham story is kind of uh, famous in New Zealand uh, as he kind of jumped from short filmmaker, which is something that a lot of New Zealand filmmakers like myself has done, straight into the Hollywood studio system, making a film with yourself, Eight-Legged Freaks. Um, and still, and I, I believe you two are, t- are still in touch and working together on occasion? We are, yes. Uh, he, again, sends me scripts that he's working on or supervising to get notes, evaluate. Um, he's often asking me to to do the writing itself. Um, <laughs> we hope to work together again, you know, on something else once we get the right idea. Yeah. Um, and he was, uh, you know, I've, I've got a project down there that's with the the uh, film commission yeah. and some producers there. They're really close to raising the money to get that made. And that started off as needs of providing notes, which turned into, would you mind rewriting the script? Which was great. Um, so we'll see if that happens. Um, so, yeah. So perhaps it's the great. best I have them all over the world. Yeah. So perhaps the best way people could get in touch with you isn't directly, but if your if their script comes across your disc and uh, and you happen not to pass on it, that's kind of the best way to, have to, <laughs> <laughs> to get in touch. Right, exactly. 
Randy, I'm not the only one. So keep that in mind. (laughs) Well, Randy, again, thank you so much. Uh, this, uh, I, I, I know that she and I are both very uh, honored that you took the time to talk to us. Uh, but again, me specifically with jingle all the way, I know it's silly and I know it's corny and I, I I'm saying my <laughs> reaction, not the film itself, which has moments of that too, but the it's, it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a seminal film in my mental library. And, <laughs> and yeah, no, I understand. It's a touchdown. We all have those. And, yeah. and, and just to be able to talk with, I mean, you're, you're a super cool guy and you, you, you know so much about this, this aspect and the entire industry. And it has just been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and thank you for your time. And thank you for making, for writing that movie. Well, hey, you're quite welcome. Um, and I'm happy to do this again anytime you guys feel it'll be productive. Thank we, you we so much. We absolutely love that. Thank you again. Absolutely. Uh, was, uh, thank you. And again, she here, I'll be taking a look at your films as well. <laughs> oh, no. And you know what? You should absolutely tear them apart. I would, yes. I would love it if you did that. Can you do that? Can you do that in front of me? <laughs> oh, yeah, you got it. Payback time, right? I love it. Next time. Okay. Randy, thank you so much. 